Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. So today's September 11th. I woke up this morning and somebody mentioned that to me, and I, it didn't dawn on me right away. And I started thinking about, yeah, I, where I was and what I was doing. I think that's pretty common. It's one of those events in our country where your life is maybe uh, bifurcated, you know, before and after. And um, do you remember where you were? Do you remember what you were doing? I was 20, and it was a new stage of life. Um, actually, I was 21. And uh, I'd just gotten saved. I'd been uh, saved for um, less than a year. And I had this new hope and this new joy and this new savior and, and this new life that I was trying to live. And God was changing the way that I was seeing the world and changing everything. And I had, was experiencing Christian community for the first time. And it was an amazing Christian community. I was at intervars- uh, University of Rhode Island and there was an intervarsity group, which was just phenomenal. It was awesome. It was so good. And I was discovering what it meant to live a Christian life. And then all of a sudden, 9-11 happened. And it was like time stopped. you remember? Everything just slowed down. And there was this general sense in our campus, in, in our culture, and in our world, or at least in our country, like the curtain had been removed and we were seeing things for the way that they are. And we could see things were crumbling. And this, these twin towers, these massive buildings, which maybe were symbolic of um, our country and, and our way of life, of being strong, of standing alone, of being okay doing things our own way was shaken. And I remember on campus, um, we all kind of rallied together. And, and there was this sense of community, maybe for the first time as a whole, where the campus came together and there were maybe a couple hundred students that gathered together in a Catholic church. Uh, no, it was an Episcopalian church, Episcopal church. And uh, it was interesting what people were saying and the little poems that they were reading and the candles they were lighting and the statements of, you're in my thoughts. And there were... All the while, I'm sitting there thinking, how can we go through life when things are crumbling um, one, without Jesus, and two, without Christian community. Because what they were maybe tasting for the first time was something that I was swimming in, that I was seeing that, wow, being a Christian is so different, at least at that time. I had a friend who went to um, New York 
after the incident, and uh, he, he was in the army, and he was a first responder for a season of time, and he felt really moved to go there and to try to help in some way, and his name is Sean, and Sean, uh, he works with guitars, he's a luthier, uh, he's a big man, he's quite older than I am, just the sweetest guy you could imagine, and his heart was so stirred by what happened that day, he said, I need to go, and so he went, and when he went, um, he breathed in all this dust. And uh, I don't know if you understand, but if you, if you breathe in that metallic dust, okay, uh, in the ashes from that, it, it turns to cement in your lungs. It, it, it hardens in there. And so he he's, has a very, very serious lung condition, and his lifespan is greatly shortened unless Jesus heals him, um, which he can. And um, but we prayed for those who lost their lives. I think we need to also pray for those who were damaged, who are injured, who are emotionally scarred, who need healing. Because um, nearly 4,000 people lost their lives, including the hijackers. It was 3,996, 19 hijackers. Um, but there are many, 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 many more who have injuries, who have scars in their heart, and in their mind, on their body. So can we pray for them as well right now? And can, can we also honor those who, uh, who are first responders? So I want, I want to do both. And so let's pray for healing, and then I just want to honor those who respond. It's God, we pray for those who need continued healing. It seems like a distant memory. Uh, it seems like so far away. But for them, it, they probably relive it every day. And so, God, yes, comfort, God, bring healing to their hearts and their minds and their bodies. God, I pray for Sean. I pray to heal his lungs in Jesus' name. I just declare that his lungs are healed and that, that your spirit would come upon him and, and just transform those lungs, make them new. Lord, I pray for anyone who has similar injuries or anyone who has uh, busted knees or elbows or uh, any, anything in their body, Lord God, that needs healing. Uh, brain injuries, Lord God. Lord, I ask for your healing and your mercy in their lives. God, I pray for those who struggle with uh, post-traumatic stress and, and emotional uh, distress over that event. God, uh, the families of, of those who, uh, who, yeah, heal. God, heal. God, restore. God, work in them. Thank you, God. Redeem the situation, Lord God. Continue to do that. God, may we never forget. God, I pray a blessing on the first responders, Lord. I pray that you would protect them and, and uh, surround them, God, that you would bless them. God, give them the desires of their heart. God, draw them unto yourself, and I pray that they would follow you in the way that they, they went headlong into that battle. God, I pray that you would uh, reveal yourself to them and draw them unto yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. God is a God who heals. God is a God who restores. Though we live in this world that is falling apart, we have a Savior who is restoring and redeeming all things unto himself. I've been talking and preaching this whole summer about how God wants to work in us and through us to release the kingdom of God around us. The series I preached through, Kingdom Inside Out, comes to a close today, at least for now, is we're going to be moving into this new series, Saved. So I want to wrap up 
the Kingdom series and push pause on the cassette player. And then maybe uh, in a couple months, we can push play again and go back to it because there's a lot more to discover in there. But thankfully, this series, which we're going to do as a collective, as a Grace Capital Collective of, of all our locations, it really does tie in. And it, kinda, it definitely looks at more of the personal aspect of what God is doing within the kingdom. So it's only a minor pause to what we were doing. Colossians 1. Can you turn there? Colossians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 15. God, I thank you that you're restoring. God, I thank you that your will isn't for things to remain the way they are. God, but I thank you that you're, you're restoring all things unto yourself. God, I thank, we, we, thank you we have a God who holds all things together. See, verse 15 says that he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus came to show us what God is like. He came to reveal the Father. He came to show us the King. He came to manifest, pull back the curtain, and allow us to see the God who was dissatisfied to leave things the way they are in this place of separation. Who, the God who inserted himself into humanity to restore and redeem all things. And it says that he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. Firstborn doesn't mean um, Jesus was incarnate. He wasn't born in the, in, the, in the way that we were born in terms of a man and a woman having sex. Okay? He was, there was a, a, a divine conception where Mary was with child. Firstborn is a title. It has to do with authority and inheritance. Calling Jesus the firstborn is saying that he has the authority to represent the Father here on earth and all that he is and all that he does. So he's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Can, can you fathom that? That the God who pursues us and knows us, that, that calls us brother, literally created, spoke the universe into existence. It's mind-boggling to think that he would come from there down to here. For those who would say, I don't want you. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We sang that. It was made by you. I was made for you. And I'm unfulfilled without full communion. Meaning that you weren't made for you, you were made for Him. And fulfillment is found when you discover your purpose of why you were made. Like a lock, in, in, like a key finding its lock. Until that key finds the lock, the key is just 
meaningless. It's a piece of metal. But when the key finds the locket and opens the door, and all can walk through. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, <coughs> which is the crux of all creation. 9-11 wasn't a, a it, it was just a pulling back of a curtain to reveal a reality that was always there. That there's a brokenness in humanity. That there's an anger and that there's a, there's a killing and there's a death. And there's this violence that takes a hold and has taken hold of all humanity in creation. And 9-11 was a manifestation of that, of that which was already there. Creation is in this state, I'll use a science term, entropy that things naturally break down over time on their own, that if I took this, this coffee mug and I put this outside on the curb, eventually that will begin to break down. And there's nothing that I can do to stop it. That this piece of paper, that if I put this outside on the ground, this too would start to break down and eventually wouldn't be there. That if I took John over here and I put him outside... He would fight it. He would fight it because he's alive. And the, the fundamental definition of what life is, and this won't be in a biology textbook, life strives to uh, maintain negative entropy. Negative entropy is order. It takes all that it has to try to fight this decay and breakdown. It's the divine command of being fruitful and multiplying, or at least being fruitful. So within living beings, there's this, this, this struggle and this tension between how things are and how things should be. That when we have death and we have destruction, that when our life is falling apart, that when our relationships are crumbling between our relatives, between our spouse, between our friends, at our workplace, that there's something with inside us that says, no, this isn't right. But we don't know what to look to or who to look to or where to go. So we say flowery things like, you're in my thoughts. But there's a God who created everything, who upholds all things together, holds it together, like Gorilla Glue. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff's good. I like that. Better than Super Glue. Whenever you super glue, I always get my fingers together. Oh, don't get me going. It says that all things were created through him and for him, and he's before all things, and he holds all things together. Holds him together. Your marriage without God falls apart. Your life without God falls apart. Your car without Jesus, well... I think prayer works on cars. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. <laughs> it says he is the head of the body, the church. Meaning that life and being glued together is tied within this connection between Jesus and what the Bible calls the body. And the body is Christian community. Meaning that as we're connected here, 
that as we actually do life together in a real meaningful way, that when saying that we're family isn't just a wish but a reality, we start to live and become who he made us to be. I can guarantee, if if I look at my whole life, my whole Christian life, the times where I had amazing Christian community, those were the times where I had the, the greatest health in my walk with God and in my life, where things were falling apart a lot less when I had community. When I was 20 and 21, and then I graduated, and maybe up to 24, 25, I had really good Christian community. And then when I was, then I got married, and we moved to seminary, and things started to go downhill, actually, because we became isolated. We lived on, a, on campus at school, and I spent most of my time in the library, and it was, wasn't healthy. We never really found a church home. After that, we went and worked at a Christian camp and retreat center, and I became a camp director. And I never went to church. Because I was working every Sunday. And I had all these church groups coming in and out. And I, and I got disenfranchised with church. I got disenfranchised with Christians even. Because I'd say more than half of the groups that came were very rude to me and my wife. And wrecked our place, our camp. And it was awful. And I walked away saying, oh my goodness, I want nothing to do with Christians. But I was one. And my walk with God was awful. And then fast forward a bunch of years, I started going to church consistently, moved to New Hampshire, and then had Christian community again. And then all of a sudden, and things started to come back together and fit together nicely in the way they should be. And I thought for some reason I could do this walk without other Christians and failed miserably in the process. Can any of you relate to that? I think it's the story of many, 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 many Christians. He's the head of the body. You can't exist as a cell that's detached from the body. If, if I take a pair of scissors and cut off a piece of skin and leave it there, it can't do that thing called life. It can't exist on its own. It will die. And it will become dust on your floor. That's true of all of us. So he's the head of the body, which is the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Emmanuel, God among us. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things. Can I teach you a fun word? This is a great word. This is a Greek word. But you have to say it. Okay. Apocatalasso. Apocatalasso. Say it again. Apocatalasso. So, apocatalasso is translated as reconcile. To reconcile, apocatalasso, all things unto himself. But the connotation, the, the, the fuller meaning of this word is really broad. It means to take one thing that is in a certain state 
and move it into a completely different state than it was before. Heaven to earth. Apocatolasso. It means going from one way of being, this, this way of struggling, this way of separation, this way of, of, of anger, of, of death, of dying, of disease, of blindness, of pain, of hurt, of frustration, and allowing God to breathe life, to make, it, make you new into a new creation of allowing heaven to be released inside of you so that it can be released around you. Apocatolasso. Becoming something completely different. It says that through him, he reconciled all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Now, one of the, the two key components I see in this this mission that God has in this passage is that you have the body, you have the presence of God, and you have this apocatolasso. Can I walk you through something in the Bible? It's going to take me a minute. Okay. There's this word meta-narrative. Meta narrative means it, it's, it's the bigger picture, the bigger story of what's happening. There's this meta narrative in Scripture where God works through people to bring about reconciliation. That the presence of God in the midst of the people of God brings restoration to the world around. You see, in the beginning, you had Adam and Eve in God's presence. And then there was this disobedience we call the fall, was really man choosing to do life apart from God. Then there was death. The crumbling, the falling apart, the no longer being held together. The meta narrative of Scripture is that God is in the process of restoring his presence in the midst of humanity so that it can be put back together. So that it can go from one state of falling apart to this other state of being made whole. Apocatolasso. Leviticus 16, if you want to go there real quick. I think it's 16. Was it 26? 26. John, you're so good. Thank you, John. I can't remember numbers well. Leviticus 26, there's this promise that was given to the people of Israel. This people group that God chose to form a relationship with to reestablish the, reestablish the presence in the midst of a community so that community could bring restoration to the world around them. Verse 3 says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. And the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. I'm just going to jump, give you a couple little tidbits here. He said, you'll eat your bread and be full and dwell in the land securely. 
I will turn to you and make, your, make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you'll be my people. I am the Lord God who brought you out of slavery. So God delivered this people group from from slavery to the Egyptians and he set up his presence in the midst of them and he he prescribed how they should live to be a, a vehicle of restoration. He gave them commandments and rules and and ways to to walk in his way and and manifest the kingdom culture, to manifest heaven around them, that he promised that he would provide through being there. But man chose again to do life apart from God, and this culture, this nation, became like the surrounding nations— and they didn't bring restoration, they experienced exile. They became like the ones they wanted to be. And so God, who's persistent, God who chases us down, even when we try to run, even when we say, no, I don't want what's best. Matthew chapter 1 says that, Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God's presence, rather than being in a building in the midst of a civilization, he came into a human being in the form of a man named Jesus, and all the people gathered around him. And as Jesus went about ministering, as we saw over the last couple months, he released the kingdom. There was healing. There was deliverance. There was casting out of demons. People were raised from the dead. Dignity was restored. Relationships were brought back together. Families were restored. The presence of God released the kingdom of God and transformed the world. Apocatolasso earth to heaven. And Jesus did this for a little over three years. And we who not only run away, but often try to kill God, nailed him to a cross. But death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And it doesn't matter how much your life is crumbling and how how much death has a stronghold on you, God can overcome it. And he overcame the grave and he returned back in a glorified body. And he came to the apostles in Acts chapter 1. And after appearing to them for 40 days and teaching them about Apocatalasso, about the kingdom of God being unleashed on earth, It says the disciples said this to him. Verse 6, Acts 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And this word restore is not apocatolasso here. It's apocatostami, which is harder to say. You can try. Apocatostami. 
apocalyptic Apocalyptic is, hey, can you bring it back to the things how they used to be? Which I think is kind of the heart's cry of a lot of us. Maybe, maybe with the wrong motives. Because most of us experienced something really good at some point in our walk with God. And have experienced something maybe really good in our life. And, and we say, hey, God, can, can we go back to the, those days before? Can you, can you make it like it was before? Can, can you relate to that? Right? That, that is kind of a yearning. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, can you do this? That can you, can you set up the kingdom? But, but in Israel. And in their mind, they had a, a thought of how things should be. And in a similar way with our walk with God and our Christianity, in our minds, we have a picture of, of what it means to be a Christian. And we base it upon what we've seen or what we've experienced. We base it upon maybe the good old days when, when more people went to church or more people were reading their Bible. Or the good old days when there was a, a Christian nation, which really wasn't. Sorry. We're not of this world. We're in it. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're high above what we know. That God says, Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, you need to have your perception radically changed. You need to be willing to allow God to wreck the way you see the world. Wreck the way you see life. To, to obliterate, blow up your box. To, 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 to take your perception of what it's like to be a Christian and what it's like to do church and what it's like to do community and what it's like to, to interact with a society and allow him to, to blow it up. And when Jesus walked on this earth and he interacted with the Pharisees and the scribes and the other believers, they were not comfortable with that. They couldn't take that because they had these, this, this set way, this understanding of how things should be. They didn't want apocatalasso. They wanted apocatastami. They wanted things to go back the way they used to be. But Jesus said in, in Revelation, oh, I love this. I, without fail, always read this at funerals because I feel like this is amazing. Revelation 21, verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he said, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Not like they were before. Brand new. Apocathistami. Apocatalasso. All things new. Completely new. So Jesus, after he died, he said to the disciples, no, it's not going to happen the way you think. 
He says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive you. And the word you in Greek there is a plural. It's y'all or all y'all. It's like vosotros in Spanish. All y'all. All y'all. You all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Watch this now. This is awesome. That God has put his presence on us as a community, as all y'all, so that we together can, can, can bring about this apocalypse. That God can work through us as a vehicle as a redemptive community, as a community that goes out into the city and sees restoration and redemption all around us. And here's, here's, here's what's awesome. Go to Isaiah. I think it's 60. I wrote it down. You know the one where he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me? In Isaiah 61? Yeah, 61. Ha <laughs> yeah. Check this out, right? Isaiah 61 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening up of the prison to the bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God. Meaning he's saying, hey, I have God's presence on me for everyone out there. That there's going to be this massive restoration and redemption of everything through us. And if you jump down to verse 4, this is just awesome. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and devastations of many generations. Can you put up our mission statement? This is what we're here for. Pacatalasso, that we as Christians are in community together to bring restoration to every person, town, and city. The Great Commission tells us to go, and it's a verbal participle, which means as you are going, which means we're not Sunday Christians, which means that our faith is who we are, and it integrates every aspect of our life. It drives every breath we take. It drives how we engage with people, how we talk. It fuels us. It draws us together as a community. And in this community, we learn what it means to follow Jesus. Because when I say follow Jesus, nobody knows what that actually looks like because you can't see him. So you have to follow those who have discovered to follow him by listening to the Holy Spirit through faith. Can't watch a movie on it. You can't just read a book on it and be done. It's seen in the presence 
of other Christians. You're not a human being until you engage with other human beings. Scientists have found young children who have grown up in the forest and being raised by wolves. Look it up, it's true. They were like animals. You don't become a human being until you engage with other human beings. You don't become a Christian until you engage with other Christians. Why? Because to be a Christian is to reflect who God is, and God is a community in and of himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the full actualization of what it means to be a Christian is discovered in community. And we have to learn how to follow Jesus. We have to learn how to do this thing, apocatalasso, and release the kingdom. And in the context of the community, we, we discover who Jesus is. Because he's in us and he's in the midst of us both. And we grow in our knowledge. And we learn to enjoy him because in his presence there's fullness of joy. And as that happens, as you start to get a community of faith that builds momentum at pursuing after Jesus and becoming like him, you start to see radical restoration of all things because it's what God is already doing. The question is, are we aligning ourselves to it? Our church is committed to this. And to do this, we have these groups called life groups. And this is Life Group Sunday. Life groups are meetings that happen every week where believers from here intentionally get together and grow together and cry together and get in the word together and discuss what God is saying together and eat yummy food and change and meet each other's needs. It's kind of how God intended it to be. If you read the book of Acts, that's what the early church was like. And when that happened, people were getting saved like crazy. Numbers were. Lives transformed. They were of one heart and one soul, the scripture says. So I'm going to end with this. And it's a challenge. Because I need to leave some time for this. I want everyone to be in a life group. Because it's not just for you, it's for the other person there. That if we're a body, you're an important part of it. And without one part of your body, it's a struggle. And if you're missing most of your body, it's more than a struggle. It's not really life. So can I put this challenge out there? And it sounds like this is ending abruptly, but it's not ending at all. Because now we're going to go do community together out there. I have a popcorn machine. Oh, I love popcorn. And we have candy on all the tables, and, and uh, there's a Millennium Falcon and lightsabers. You can play with them if you want. So can everyone, don't, don't say I'm going to pray about it. Just do it. Try it. And then if you decide after a couple of weeks, hey, this isn't for me, that's okay. No big deal. That's all right. But if we could all actually be in relationship with each other, what would happen? And there's a side of us that says, well, I've done that before, and that's not really for me. But isn't that like going to Jesus and saying, hey, can you do it like it used to be, like way long? Well, maybe God wants to do something completely different. 
Maybe what God, maybe how we think about community and life together is it needs to change. Maybe we actually need to be family and not say it. Yeah. Wicked good. It's awesome. Because others need you. And you need them. You have a lot to offer. Every one of you has so much to offer. So God, I pray for this time. I pray that as we go into the lobby and, and have fellowship together, Lord, I, I, I just ask that, that you would make connections, God. I pray that you would give us courage to, to get involved in each other's lives in a, in a real meaningful way. Lord, and, and I pray that we would discover and find this apocatalasso, this, this redemption through the cross. Your mercy that's renewing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 